The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references fed through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. My name is Timothy Saunders. I am one of your trio of co-hosts on this 73rd edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from an Aegean Peninsula situated in southwest Turkey. As the sun rises here, whichever time zone you are currently experiencing, hopefully you are relaxing into the show and are, well, eager to hear some fascinating insights from our latest guest. I'll soon be joined by Kintia from her wheelhouse near San Francisco together with Annette Driscoll, who is also currently in the Bay Area. This show is entitled, As Down Under, So Above. Despite traveling extensively, I have not yet had the pleasure to visit Australia. Perhaps I never will, unless we all manifest a significant course change. Over the years, I've met many Australian friends, I've worked with some Australian colleagues, and have even worked for a few Australian clients. Traditionally, even the mainstream, would guide us to think of Australians as a positive, charismatic people who were strong in character, brave and hardworking, while giving an air of being laid back, fun-loving and humorous, not to mention being specialists in sarcasm. I would concur and have so far not come across any Australians who have pissed me off. That is, until I have more recently become acquainted with the likes of Dan Andrews. Keith, please play Sander Exert A. To protect the health system, we've got everybody locked down. We're going to move to a situation where, to protect the health system, we're going to lock out people who are not vaccinated and can be. If you're making the choice not to get vaccinated, then you're making the wrong choice. You're making the wrong choice. And for safety's sake, and for the back to that point about how much work our nurses have to do, as this becomes absolutely a pandemic of the unvaccinated and we open everything up, it's not going to be safe for people who are not vaccinated to be roaming around the place spreading the virus. That's what they'll be, that's what they'll be doing. So there's every reason, every reason uh, to get vaccinated. And there are appointments available, and there'll be even more appointments available throughout September, October, November. Let's get to those thresholds as fast as we possibly can. But yes, there's going to be a vaccinated uh, economy, and you get to participate that. You get to participate in that if you are vaccinated. We're going to get to a point where everybody who can get vaccinated, 
will have been offered the chance to do so. And we are not going to have a situation, well, at least not in Victoria, where we lock the whole place down to protect people who won't protect themselves. These go and get vaccinated. There's 11,000 AZ appointments available this week, 2,000 Pfizer appointments available this week. We'll have more to say with those additional stocks coming in from overseas, but I want to run that down to zero so there are no more AstraZeneca appointments, hopefully very soon, and we can order more, and we can keep pushing that. That was the voice of Dan Andrews, 48th Premier of Victoria. What a totally abhorrent individual, a weak-minded puppet leader and bad excuse of a man. As well as being a much-hated leader of the Labour Party, he is also now banning the use of the swastika. I wonder why. He has some equally appalling colleagues. Here are a few of the usual suspects. Bradley Ronald Hazard, New South Wales Minister for Health and Medical Research. Well, he was born for that position with a name like that. Then there is New South Wales Health Chief, Kerry Chant, who today made a slip of the tongue in an interview by saying, we will look what contact tracing looks like in the new world order. Apart from the dreadful and repetitive lack of vocabulary, I'm sure Klaus Anal Schwab would be very proud. And, of course, Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian. Well, there are all different ways to pronounce her name, and I will ask our guests to fill in the blanks here later. And, of course, they would be nothing without their mindless and increasingly aggressive minions that serve them. Among all the videos I've witnessed around the world since the start of this, COVID-19 scandemic, the scenes depicting the Australian police have been the most provocative and aggressive. From a high-altitude scan of our history books, the last ship carrying slaves to Australia arrived in 1833, when slavery in the British Empire was outlawed. And the last ship carrying convicts to be sent to Australia arrived in Fremantle in 1868, with 268 prisoners aboard. Those days are now, thankfully, a distant and bad memory. And some 125 years later, final constitutional ties between the United Kingdom and Australia ended with the passing of the Australia Act of 1986. Australia is now a constitutional monarchy with a Queen Elizabeth as sovereign. As a constitutional monarch, the Queen, by convention, is not involved in the day-to-day business of the Australian government but she continues to play important ceremonial and symbolic roles. I bet she does. The Queen's relationship to Australia is unique, as it is with all of the ex-Commonwealth states. For example, the Queen may prorogue Parliament. She can therefore prevent the so-called elected government from continuing to roll out their agenda by refusing royal assent. We'll ask our guest about that later. Is the minority keeping the Queen on ice until her platinum 70-year celebrations next year, or until the end of the phase of COVID pandemic experiment, which of course is set out to be approximately 2023. The banks seem to think this phase will pass by 2025, and then there is Agenda 2030. So what happens when Charles becomes king? Presumably someone, probably Camilla, will be amused. However, Charles seems to be a fully paid up member of the World Economic Forum. Following Brexit, the UK is now apparently free to set up trade agreements with whom they please, without seemingly any influence in the Union, except even this week. The EU was trying to influence the UK to specify Australia signing up to the Paris Climate Agreement as part of the UK-Australian trade deal. 
the puppet masters have been busy again. I'm happy to say the UK has so far not conformed. Is there a slight hope of some degree of strength left in the UK's spineless, weak-minded puppet leaders? Or is this simply not currently advantageous for the UK, or more importantly, the minority's agenda? So what is actually going on in Australia today? Why are Australians being treated like slaves and convicts under the minority's bullshit umbrella of COVID-19 pandemic? What do they do to deserve this? Are they now paying for their previous air of freedom, for enjoying one too many beach barbies while we're all experiencing brass monkeys in the Northern Hemisphere during Christmas holidays? Or are they finally paying for Paul Hogan's jokes? Or is it simply a question of a land grab? Australia is a huge landmass and is sparsely populated. Or perhaps a grab of their rich veins of minerals and ores, perhaps even a strategic location on the planet. Has it already begun? I've heard various rumors that the Chinese are making moves to take control of some of the Australian states. We've also heard similar rumors of Chinese interference in another ex-Commonwealth state, Canada. Will Australia soon have to add an extra Chinese flag to their current collection of three flags? Well, we shall ask our guests very shortly. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com. There you will see details of the show, quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which is been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies as soon as possible, as these censorship robots are working around the clock to rewrite our history. During the last week, we've been inundated with a deluge of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news. To discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself, as the other side of the news is not, per se, a typical news show. And in order to make the best use of our available airtime, I believe we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and introduce our return guest, Max Egan. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anessa. Are you ready to commemorate the 20th anniversary of one of the most significant false flags of the 21st century? Well, Timothy, you know I always have a lot to say, and this week's no exception. Uh, lots going on. We've had all kinds of things. We've had uh, the removal of presidents, such as in Guinea. We uh, had the step down of the prime minister of Japan. And very interesting, these are all media blackouts. There are all kinds of things happening out there. So, uh, you know, get on your alternative news sources. One of the best are all the channels on, maybe not all of them, but many of them on uh, Telegram. I have a channel, Patrick Henry, which might link is in the in my fast links and on my bio and uh really find a place where you can get a lot of other news because there's a lot going on that you probably don't know about all right so uh, the big thing this week is biden's mandatory vaccine policy and it's um it's really wretched it it takes uh, private companies with 100 or more employees and makes them the police state and makes them responsible for making sure all of their employees are mandatorily vaccinated, which of course we know is unconstitutional and everything else, but that's the agenda they're pushing because they're, you know, the constitution isn't something that they have any regard for. You know, they're doing that. They are 
having the employers have to be fined uh, $14,000 per violation. That would be per employee that does not conform to this practice. And uh, it's also all government contractors. So that's a lot of people. So it's a big deal. It's really, really wrong. And they say, you know, that it's not a, it's not a uh, violation of Nuremberg codes because it's not an experiment. I'm not sure whether they get that. Even the FDA thing is the FDA approval that they have is for a drug that hasn't even gone into production. So it most certainly is not this, the drugs that they have and their drugs are not vaccines. As we know, the clinical studies go on, or at least this stage of the clinical studies, I should say, goes on to the till the last day of December on um, 2022. So we're quite a ways from that. So uh, yes, there's all kinds of problems. They're violating everything. When asked at a presser, Jen Psaki said that they had the right and uh, someone brought up that, well, what happened to my body, my choice at that point? They promptly picked up their little file folders and whisked their little asses out the door, lickety split as soon as possible. So that kind of gives you that answer. They don't give a fuck about you if you're not in the stage where it's campaigning and they want your vote. So we already knew that, but uh, they're just making it really clear. So if you find yourself in this position, be sure that you allow yourself to be fired. And I am saying that from a place of talking to many experts in this and reading much. And it allows you to be placed in a position to be able to bring a suit against these people. There are many class action suits, et cetera. And it will put these businesses out of business and let it take its place. And I do think we're going to have a big shift before all that happens. But whatever you do, do not acquiesce and allow yourself to be jabbed. If you've held out this long, keep going. Okay, so that's my unsolicited advice. A little bit lighter note here. I have this little article, and uh, this is serious. Uh, President Trump is, is going to be serving as a guest commentator for an upcoming thriller fight club. And it's uh, based out of Hollywood... Uh, Florida is where the event's taking place, and uh, he's doing an interview with the Gateway Pundit ahead of time at uh, 2.15, and that would be Central Time. And um, it, it should be really interesting because there's no censorship. There's no, you know, they, they can't shut it down. So this should be fascinating. What he has to say, I'm very curious. And this is happening on the 11th of September. This is obviously a symbolic thing, but what's even wilder is the names of the people that are fighting. One is Holyfield and one is Balfour. Now it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't make this up, right? It, it sounds like the good versus evil. And I think it is. Uh, we better hope that uh, Holyfield wins or Holyfield if you break it down. But uh, anyway, it's pretty interesting that these are the names. I don't think anything in politics at this point, or ever probably was, but for sure not now, is a coincidence. So this is something to uh, pay attention to. I am sure there's going to be a lot of good information passed along and without the censorship. So this is, this is really interesting. And so for all those bad people out there doing bad things and passing mandates we don't want, I should remind you that in the America that 300 million new gun purchases have occurred in the last year since the George Floyd incident. Uh, this is, is pretty uh, significant and that we don't have any gun violence from the Patriots. Very interesting. 
I like to look back in time to catch a glimpse forward. And tonight is no exception. 60 years ago, this coming Monday, was a day that most don't remember, but we should because it changed millions of people's lives. On August 13, 1961, East Germany's government started building a wall to separate East Berlin from West. And uh, moreover, tens of thousands of East German troops had been deployed overnight to suppress protests and erect a makeshift, makeshift barricades to prevent people from leaving. In May, right around the same time that East Germany's leader quipped, nobody has any intention of building a wall, and then it happened. So it was only from May to August. Ursula Bach was 18 years old and six months pregnant at the time when she heard news. Ursula's fiance, Fried, the father of her child, of their child, was still in East Berlin, and she knew that she would never see him again. Their son, Andreas, was 28 years old before the wall came down in 1989. Andreas grew up never knowing his father, and even though Fried lived technically only a few blocks away, he might as well have been on Pluto. There are countless other stories like this from the days of the Berlin Wall, families that were torn apart and separated for decades. It is difficult to ignore the whispers of history, or at least it should be. At the moment, Australia is a unique example with some of the most severe COVID protocols on the planet. The entire state of New South Wales, population 7.4 million, was locked down a few weeks ago because of four people died of a relabeled flu that had gain-of-function upgrades courtesy of Anthony Fraudshi. In the neighboring state of Victoria, Emperor Hunchback Dan announced yet another lockdown on August 21st. It was originally supposed to end September 2nd, but the Emperor Hunchback has predictably under, uh, extended the draconian lockdown for several more weeks. Some Australians are starting to realize the truth. Even when certain restrictions are eased, they're never quite out of lockdown. They're merely in between lockdowns. The most notable example, however, may be the border between Queensland and New South Wales. The town of Kolangata is on the Queensland side of the border, while the town of Tweed Heads is on the New South Wales side. In an essentially continuous amalgamation of the two towns, along with other nearby suburbs in the Gold Coast metropolitan area, for years, one could drive from one town to the other and technically cross over the state border without ever even realizing it. The same way Kansas City straddles both Kansas and Missouri. In fact, part of downtown Kansas City are in both states. I've been there. But along came Australia's COVID hysteria and suddenly a border wall was erected along Dixon Street, AKA the state line. In Kolangata, the government has erected a quote, temporary wall. It's not exactly a Berlin wall with minefields, reinforced concrete and machine gun nests. Actually, the Great Wall of Kolangata is, as it is known, consists mostly of bright orange construction barriers. It's not exactly a Berlin wall with minefields, but it's a wall nonetheless. And it's designed to keep all those filthy, diseased Australians from crossing the border. This past Sunday was Father's Day in Australia. This would normally be a time when children take their dads out for brunch and express their love and appreciation. 
But just like Berlin in the 1960s, there are local families in Australia that are now separated by the Great Wall of Kolongata. Defying lockdown orders, many Australians passed their breaking points on Sunday so they could meet with their family members who lived across the state line. Or they met at the wall, fathers on one side, their children on the other. It was heartbreaking to see the kids passing gifts along the wall to their dads and trying to steal a hug. Yet this is the depth to which Western civilization has been allowed to decline to in 2021. Highlighting the hypocrisy was Australia's Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who broke quarantine in the capital city so that he could fly home to Sydney and see his own kids for Father's Day. Regular Australians aren't allowed to do this. The Prime Minister received special permission from the federal health authorities because he's an essential worker, so the rules do not apply to him. That's another interesting historical parallel to East Germany, by the way. As regular people suffered, party bosses and the political elite enjoyed lavish lifestyles because the rules never apply to them. There are rules for thee and not for me. An example less than two weeks ago was Nancy Pelosi throwing a lavish party just north of where I live in the wine country for hundreds of people. On top of that, there were no masks except for those lowly waiters, those poor slobs that were required to suffocate themselves while serving all the unmasked elites. Pelosi even had time to take a recent photo op with her good friend and buddy George Soros, sans mask, of course. I could go on. We all remember them. Gruesome Newsome at the French Laundry when the rest of us couldn't even go to a grocery store in California. All of us mere plebs, we have long memories. It's important to note that Australia's COVID statistics are similar to the rest of the world's mortality rates. And they're much higher among those who are older or unhealthy, i.e. comorbidities. In other words, people that are at a high likelihood of dying with or without the so-called COVID. Hmm. Seems eerily similar to the flu. Back to the facts. Today's data from Australia's Department of Health show that 91% of COVID deaths were over the age of 70. And the COVID mortality rate for people under 50, i.e. those that are in their prime learning or working years, is just 0.04%. Specifically, there have been 16 COVID deaths out of 47,897 confirmed cases from the acknowledged faulty and unreliable PCR hoax among the Australians under the age of 50. Tens of millions of people have lost their freedom so that those 16 deaths are used as a weapon of tyranny against the healthy majority of the population. The first time in known history, the people believe that quarantining healthy individuals makes sense. By comparison, in the state of Victoria alone, there were over 700 suicides just last year and nearly 900 in New South Wales. As a final point, I'll mention that Ursula Buck's fiance, Creed, had the opportunity to travel with her to West Berlin back in 1961, but he chose not to. He was a staunch communist. He believed the East German propaganda. He was a fanatic and he chose to stay. But eventually, like all communist fanatics, Fried realized that the totalitarian dream was really just a total nightmare. He had his awakening, but then it was too late. Similarly, there are people all over the world who are COVID fanatics. 
They believe in the totalitarian dream. They love lockdowns, mandates, and jabs for all. As U.S. Senator Mitt Romney said, your liberty affects my health. That's a direct quote. It follows the same logic that you're mad at me because you got a sunburn from me not putting on my sunscreen. Eventually, they too will come around if they live to see the day. Eventually, they'll realize things have gone way too far. Almost everybody will. But just like East Germans, by then it will be too late. Because once freedom is surrendered, it's almost impossible to reclaim. Well, Annetta, I'm really grateful for that background. To see these parallels play out is actually quite frightening and quite real. It just brings forward the severity of what we're facing here. I have to say that I am focusing on the power of the people and what is happening. I've been watching, and in my links you'll see a plethora of links of protests around the world. In Brazil, there were like up to 3 million people in one location in Brasilia. And additionally, um, another 2 million in Sao Paulo, another million in other state capitals. And their motto is, the world is waking up. And as a result, the globalists, the New World Agenda, they have planned for us all is dead on arrival. Standing together, we are invincible. And we're seeing amazing things. People in France who are protesting in the restaurants where they supposedly cannot go because if they're unvaccinated, they're sitting out in front of the restaurants having picnics on the sidewalk, on the street, picnicking in front of these restaurants. Melbourne, Australia had protests also in August. New York Times actually reported on the protests in London last month. So I'm taking great heart that there is movement. And as Max will illuminate us later, we need to focus on the vision of what we want to bring into being and not the fear of what we don't want to bring into being. Well, following what you've just been saying, there's also another interesting point that came out, an announcement from the WHO, where they are issuing a little animation with sort of subtitles just for the heart of understanding. And in there, they're saying that, well, actually, COVID may never be beaten. And uh, maybe it's difficult, but we should keep taking the injections and we should keep taking the boosters. Uh, But probably most people will not be badly affected uh, because COVID is kind of like the flu. Maybe it's just one of those things we'll have to get used to. Now, (laughs) my, my first reaction was, what? utter bollocks this is after everything they put the world through for the last 18 months whatever it is and more they're now announcing that perhaps covid is just a bit like flu it's unbelievable speechless i'm absolutely speechless i'll I'll put it in the links and you can all have a look at it later thank you thank you with that We will go to break. You're listening to The Other Side of the News. Our guest tonight is Max Egan. The show is called As Down Under, So Above. And we will return. Well, I think 
you're looking with this great reset, you're looking at Mr. Global Loney's efforts to move everybody into a cashless society, which, you know, like it or not, that's a one-way mirror, folks. Because at that point, you're not dealing with a currency. You're dealing with a corporate coupon that they can adjust the value of at the push of a button, depending on whether or not you're good little boys and girls. And if you're getting into a system where all of the infrastructure of financial clearing is in the hands of the bankers, that's not a system you want to go into. You look at the West, and more importantly, if you look at what some people call the Anglosphere, the, the Western powers that are English-speaking, the United Kingdom, Canada, United States, and so on, I do think it's the case there. They're using a health crisis really to drive a, a political agenda, and the health crisis itself is largely blown way, way out of proportion to what's actually the case. If you look at what Mr. Globalone is up to, they are recreating slavery. And the, the thing that is unique about slavery is they now have the means of perfecting the capital because now they can literally implant your body with the means to track you. It's not going to go away overnight, but there are already uh, I think some hopeful signs of cracks beginning to appear in the edifice. This is Joseph P. Farrell. And for all the news the media doesn't like you to hear, tune in to the other side of the news. to the other side of the news tonight we have a return amazing guest max egan he's a very prolific commentator freedom fighter australian activist who currently lives in south wales australia at his core he's an artist with capital letters a musician a multimedia artist adept in 3d art producer and director He's a devoted father and champion for future generations to come. As a touring musician, his travels opened his awareness to a broad spectrum of cultural perspectives around the world. Ultimately, his broad experience of humanity makes him uniquely capable of fresh insights and far-reaching implications. In his many videos, he brings his powerful vision to lay bare the hidden crimes of the globalists. Both his intellect and his tongue are sharp, and those who seek freedom are strengthened by his powerful observations that he shares in his videos, which can be found on freedom platforms such as BitChute, Rumble, and many others. Welcome back to the other side of the news, Max. Welcome from Down Under. It's been more than a year, and 
conditions have so drastically changed. I mean, it's so openly tyrannical that the whole world is watching. I'm amazed that they're like openly doing all that they're doing. You want to lay out for us how Australia has come to be in this situation and also how the people are coping with it. Well, it's nice to be back on, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's it's crazy here. It's absolutely crazy. The the I mean, they're doing it because people wouldn't take the jab. We were basically the the most under jabbed country on earth. You know, they called, declared this pandemic, which is complete fraud, quantifiable fraud, and nobody would take the jab. Everyone said, "Oh, well, you know, she'll be right, mate." That's the Australian attitude. You know, it'll all go away. Oh, this is all blow over. You know. And now they're kind of realizing that it isn't. But but because people would not take the jab, they're basically holding them to ransom, holding them hostage in their homes, basically saying that the, the only way to establish freedom again is to take the jab. And so people are sort of gradually complying. A lot of people are gradually complying. But so many people are dying from it. I mean, they're, they're basically genociding this country is what they're doing. And they're using it as an example for the rest of the world. And Australian people, I mean, they're pretty kind of laid back. I mean, I, I call the place Apathralia because they're <laughs> a pretty apathetic bunch. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I love them, but they just, you know, she'll be right, mate. You know, it's all good. Don't worry. You know, no worries, mate. This all this whole attitude. And I'm starting to see now that actually, actually things are going a little pear-shaped. There's going to be a rude awakening for them, I think, within the next 12 months. They're going to realize just how much they've been played. And there's going to be this uh, five-minute red pill moment where they just have complete meltdowns, I think, once they really see what's going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are sort of getting it, but, but a lot of people aren't. They're still thinking it's going to go away. They're still thinking the government is their friend. Mm-hmm. And, are you uh, thinking this is going to play out for a whole nother year and not climax before then? I think it will probably climax before then. There may be a watershed moment, but... Um, I mean, the whole plan of this, the the plan is to run this pandemic until 2025. That's when the funding runs out. Uh, If you look at the World Bank, you can look at the funding for COVID. It starts in April or April uh, 2020 and runs until March 2025, March 31st, 2025. So that's how long they intend to run it for. Oh and, you know, they tend to be in the in, in their new world by 2025. So the way they're going to do it, they'll they'll crash the United States last. They'll do it. They'll crash the United States probably in 2025. It'll be a gradual process because see we've been disarmed here, so they can do certain things in in certain ways and get us to comply with that. But then it, they're going to have to employ different countries in different ways. By the time they've destroyed most of the world around it, the United States will be last because it's a very robust very strong sort of a nation everybody's armed so they've got to break down the food chain and all that sort of stuff so you will see what's happening in australia in the united states around about 2025 so that's what they plan to do so max yeah now i just heard you say plan because as you're speaking it sounds as though that's a fait accompli and i for me it's far from being a fait accompli that may be their plan but I don't plan, see yeah. that going through that way because we do have free will here. And I'm just like, I'm thinking about the Australians. Are they able to go out? I mean, like I've heard, what are how far are they able to go? And how is this affecting? I think there would be like suicide really high if they're locked in all the well, time. Well, there is. 
Well, it depends on where you are. I mean, in, in Victoria and New South Wales, it's been it's been over the top. Where I live, if, which is just over the border in Queensland, I haven't noticed anything. I haven't changed my life at all in the last 18 months. Uh-huh. The only thing that's changed in my life is that I can't cross over the state border, which is, you know, 15 minutes drive from my house. That's the only thing that's changed in my life. I can't visit my friends over the border. Um, but in, in uh, New South Wales and Victoria, it's been ridiculous. I mean, Victoria's in their sixth lockdown now. That's where we've seen all the suicides, in Victoria wow. and New South Wales. They're really, really pushing it down there. But up here, it's been reasonably reasonably free. I mean, I, there was one period where they locked, uh, locked Queensland down, I think. I mean, I was told. I didn't abide by any of it. I don't know. So, I mean, I just don't do any of it. Um, and I, I do see quite a few people, about probably 60 to 70% of people are wearing masks. I see when I go out shopping mm-hmm. and stuff. But I haven't really seen any anything here in Queensland, but that is not to say that it isn't coming to Queensland. They've got the borders closed and they're trying to claim, that, you know, they've, they've protected us from getting COVID bad outbreaks here because they've kept the borders closed and all this sort of stuff, which is all complete rubbish. But it's, it's uh, New South Wales and Victoria that they're really, really pushing because, I mean, Sydney and Melbourne are the two major cities in this country. And so that's, that's why they're really, really pushing it there, just pushing people to comply, pushing people to get the jab. And like I said, holding them to ransom, basically, holding the whole country hostage and saying that the only way to get freedom back is to get the jab. And we have very, very low death counts from, from COVID, alleged COVID, you know, which of course doesn't even exist. It's just the flu as we know. So, you know, it, it's a huge scam. And a lot of people are seeing it. A lot of people are starting to figure out that something's terribly wrong here. But we're so sparse. We're so divided in Australia. We've got big backyards and nobody mm. really talks to each other. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a country here twice the size of Europe. that has got 26 million people in it, you know. Wow. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, when the Australians see the way that the police are treating their fellow Australians, I mean, aren't they uh, shocked? Aren't they worried that it's going to come to where they are? And and why aren't the police standing up for the people? They have families. I, I don't get it. The police are just low IQ thugs. Um, it's, it's disgraceful, really. A lot of the good cops have left the force. They've been kind of weeded out. And um, they're just they're just brutal. The, the police. I mean, Australia. It's it's a crazy country, really. There's so much corruption in the government. There's so much major pedophilia in the government. Uh, we have we have um, child porn being filmed in TV studios. We have police that are running the child trafficking right throughout the country. I mean, oh. it's so corrupt. It's so incredibly corrupt, this system. And you, you might get good people that get into the force, but they soon get weeded out. I mean, it's the, it's the cops that run the entire drug trade, the entire child trafficking trade, the whole, everything in this country. So, you know, it, it's the rule of, of thugs, really, that we've got here. And, and they're showing that now. And the reason the police are being so brutal is to force the people into compliance. They don't want you going out and breaking any of these lockdown rules and, and breaking any of the laws because they're just going to come and beat the living hell out of you if you do that. that that's what they're trying to convey to the people. Now, you do what you're told. Well, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. You're going to get a lot of hurt, and they, they enjoy it, you know. So that's the problem. I mean, and I've even spoken to them. I went to the council chambers the other day, and I said to them, "Listen, the only thing that has ever allowed the introduction of tyranny is the failure of order followers to disobey legal commands." And all you guys have got families, and you're creating this future that you're going to have to live in, move into. 
Right. You know, we need uh, to express a loss of confidence in this government and we need to take them all out. They all need to be arrested for, for misconduct in public office and we need to hold an election and elect a new government. That's the only way out of this mess. It's either that or open civil war and we simply don't have the weapons for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the situation that we're in and I've, I've spoken to cops and a lot of them break ranks. I mean, a lot of them, I get emails from people who, who've quit the force because they, they're seeing what's going on and they don't want to be involved in this. They don't want to be pepper spraying 12-year-olds the way cops are doing and beating up women the way they're doing, handcuffing people for not wearing a mask, for God's sake. It's ridiculous. So, it um, but it's, it's all part of the same plan, just to force people into compliance, put the fear into them so that they'll do what they're told. If it's not the fear of COVID, then it's the fear of the, the repercussions and the fear of the police, you know? Well, that's a really sad thing. Here here in the States, we have a thing called the thin red line where the police are banding together, sheriffs are banding together to to protest all this. And I, I'm saddened to hear that that's not happening in Australia, that the people are at the mercy of these thugs. Well, I mean, there's some cops that are protesting it. Some of them are. Some of them are standing up. Some of them are saying we, we don't want to take the dab. They're taking legal action against the government. But... They just get squeezed out is, is generally the, what happens. It, it's just mm-hmm. way for them to identify themselves. And the politicians don't care. They just do whatever they want. I mean, look at what Danny Andrews is doing. Look at what Gladys Berejirkov is doing. I mean, these people just do whatever they want and, because uh, they know they can, you know. Mm-hmm. And would you say that they were illegally elected? I mean, you know, fraudulently elected. I mean, because people wouldn't really choose these people, would they? Well, you've got the two-party system, so you, you get who's selected for you to vote for, same as what you guys get, you know. Uh, we may have elections, but we don't get to select who we elect, you know. Uh, and uh, that's just the way it is. So you get, you get um, even if you vote for some of the outlying parties, like, like Greens or, or One Nation or whatever, they end up putting their preferences behind the two major parties. So you end up voting for one of the two major parties, however you vote. I just don't vote because I don't support organised crime. But the thing is, I mean, with the Australian government, they incorporated in 1973, so the entire government is invalid, has been invalid since 1973. None of the laws they make are actual valid laws. If if you look at the Constitution and how this country works, the only thing that keeps it going is the is the brutality of the police in enforcing these mandates. So that's that's the situation. I mean, I've been trying to get these people to stand up and rise up for a long time. I've been, I've been talking about this and, and really trying to get people to see where we're going and realize that if we simply stop, stop complying with our own slavery, then we can change this, this direction, you know? So it's whether they're going to do that, whether there's going to be some sort of a watershed moment that causes them to do that, how much brutality they're actually prepared to take, you know? Mm. Uh, it's scary. It's really scary. I was watching this pilot from Qantas Airlines and I tell you, it just broke my heart. Here was a man who was so deeply dedicated and he was explaining all the things that he has to pay attention to to keep people safe as he's been a pilot all these years and all the things, health checks he has to conform to. And he was protesting what's going on. And he said, this may be the last time I may lose my job here and all my income because he said, I cannot take it anymore. I will not take it anymore. And I just, his bravery and courage to stand up in the face of uh, what's going on and to speak so authentically. It's, it's one of the links on the show page. Very moving, very moving. 
And I just wish that there were more individuals like that speaking up. I mean, you are an amazing voice. You just keep, you know, putting it out there. You're so prolific, but I'd love to hear from more Australians. And uh, anyway, I know that Annetta has some great questions to come in here. You want to come on in, Annetta? I do. I do. Hello, Max. It's so good to have you back. Hi, Annetta. Nice to talk to you again, darling. Yeah. Uh, So I wanted to talk a little bit, we touched on it, or you have, about the way that the Australians uh, with the the defending themselves in not having the guns. They they don't have the Second Amendment going for them. So for those in our audience that aren't sure how that happened, could you give a little bit of history on that, like how they lost their arms? There was a false flag attack in, uh, I think it was Nazi... 96, 95, 96, it was back in the 90s. There was a false flag attack in um, in Tasmania, the, what was the worst mass shooting in the world at the time. There were 35 people killed by what was told, we were told was a lone gunman. It wasn't a lone gunman, it was, uh, it was definitely a couple of gunmen, at least two or three gunmen. And uh, it was a big setup, a whole setup in, uh, in Port Arthur. A guy called Martin Bryant was blamed for it. He has the IQ of a 12-year-old who's never um, had any firearms training. It was the most accurate shooting in, in world history. Uh, the amount of people that were killed, the amount of rounds that were uh, expended, and, and the, the uh, hit-to-kill ratio was just through the roof. It was like Olympic shooters have said they couldn't, they couldn't have done this well as what this guy did on this day. And that was used to basically ban automatic weapons in Australia. They took all our automatic weapons. And it was back in the 90s. I mean, the people actually thought it was real. And uh, they said, oh, well, okay, we'll, we'll give all these up. And they did. And uh, then it got a little more and more. And gradually banned semi-automatics after that. And then gradually banned this. And then gradually banned that. Um, I've actually got a weapons license. And... Um, I went to buy a shotgun and a uh, Winchester 426. I put the PTAs in to, to acquire the weapons 12 months ago, and I'm still waiting for them to approve the PTA so I can acquire the weapons. That's the sort of stuff they do. So, um, And it was just a, it was a horrendous setup, and it was a, like the most brutal killing. That, but they made sure it was, was really, really brutal, and like I said, the worst mass shooting in the history of the world at the time which got the Australian people to do it and convinced them that, okay, look, we just don't need these things. There's crazy people out there doing crazy mass murderings. And, you know, why do we need weapons that that can be capable of this? But as they did that, I mean, they took all the weapons away from the people. Then they gradually militarized the police. And now the police got AR-15s and body armors and virtually tanks. And they're just a full paramilitary force now, the police, since they've disarmed the people. And so, yeah, we haven't really got the means to fight back. I mean, we've, we can stop complying with our own slavery. I mean, there's very few people at the top doing this. And if everybody simply stopped complying, they don't have enough police to arrest everybody. So, you know, it could be a way through it, but um, it's getting the people to do that. They're just cowed now. And people only only see violence as, as the only way out. And it may, may even come to that. It may come to a point where we don't have any choice. We've, we've got to, you know, storm the Bastille. But at the moment, we could still get through this with non-compliance. We could still just say, no, you know, we're going to open our businesses up. We're going to pull these border blockades down. We're just going to go about our lives again. And we're going to call a loss of confidence in this government's ability to govern. And we're going to stand here and we're going to strike. The whole country could strike 
until this government is removed from power. That would work. But it's getting the people to do that. They're, they're just too scared, you know. So, And the, the whole Port Arthur thing, I mean, they've tried it in the United States as well. Many times they've tried to use these mass shootings as a means of disarming the people. But they managed to actually get away with it here in Australia. And like I said, it was back in the 90s. We're still a sleepy population. Not many people even had the internet back then. So, yeah, it was, uh, that's just how they did it. And they managed to get away with it. I mean, it was pretty freaky at the time. You could see that this, this wasn't quite right. But, you know, the media spin and the whole she'll be right attitude of the Australians, you know, this little all blow over. She'll be right, mate. It's all good. No worries. You know, this whole attitude is kind of what promoted, which is why they promoted that attitude in this country, of course, you know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it's never by mistake now, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I've watched it so many times here, and and the thing is, is these these false flags are getting, uh, you know, they're getting sloppier and sloppier. And I mean, I have I have my ideas about why that may or may not be happening. One thing that's going on here, and I don't know how people in Australia are doing with this, there are more and more people are that are aware that they are false flags. In other words, you know, they're doing things like. I have plenty of them on my, my channel of pictures of the same uh, crisis actors in various shootings, same people, mm-hmm. you know, they get killed and they come back to life and they're the next false flag and the next. And I mean, people are starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about the Americans and, and I'm one of them that totally uh, believes that the only way to stop a tyrannical government is to be able to stop them, which in, in great part is, you know, can I blow a hole in you? Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a little difference here. We're, we're not quite as, the thing is, is Americans are just as apathetical, but not quite as laid back, I'd say. You know, they're not quite ready to, to do that, but uh, they're coming too close. And, you know, speaking of the, the gigantic false flags, I mean, we're just seeing one after another. Most certainly we saw a massive thing in uh, January 6th. There's a false flag and we're coming up on that 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Hmm. It's major around the planet, and there's all kinds of ideas about what could happen on that day or may not happen at all. And it's a big day for the cabal, and we know they love that that kind of symbolism. So, what is, what's the feeling in in uh, Australia around that? Well, they do like that day. I mean, I think we we tend to focus too much on on these things and think that um, you know we're we're always waiting for something to happen rather than looking at what is happening. Mm-hmm. And um, and, and the thing is with people, and the same with the American people as well, I mean, people are generally good. They're basically good and they're cooperative. They don't like hurting people. They don't like confrontation like the Australian people. We don't like confrontation. We don't like war. We don't like to go and get into a fight and beat someone up. We don't want to hurt people. So we'll, we'll get pushed and we'll get pushed and we'll get pushed until it's just, just that bit too far. And that's, that's what they're doing. That's why they've got to do it gradually and slowly and put the lockdowns on and release the lockdowns and then put them back and then release them with not quite as many privileges, you know. And it's the same with the American people. I mean, you might have all these guns and things, but no one wants to go out and start shooting people. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do that. So you'll allow yourselves to be pushed and, and people will allow themselves to be pushed until their backs are to the wall and they have to do something. But even when they do that, yeah, you really? You mean I've got to pick up this gun and shoot you? I, I don't want to do that. You know, mm. um, that's that's the the basic nature of people. You know, people are basically good. That's why they've been able to get away with all this shit that they're doing because people are, are basically good. They don't want to have this confrontation. They don't want to have to pick up arms and go and kill somebody. Mm. You know, 
But it's kind of getting to that situation. I mean, it's getting to that situation here in Australia. If the people of Australia don't rise up and take these criminals out of power, then this country is going to be lost. And it's, it's almost getting past the time for peaceful solutions. I mean, we still can do it, but it's almost getting past that time. The question is, you know, what's it going to take for the police and military to break ranks and join with the people and realize that there's probably only like a thousand people here in Australia that are running this scam just in key positions. If you can get these people out of those key positions and call them out for what they are, we could literally turn this whole thing around and set an incredible example for the rest of the world on how to achieve freedom. It's just if the people are willing to do that, if they can get motivated to do that, and if they've got the courage to stand up and do that. And again, it's going to depend on whether a lot of the police and military are prepared to break ranks. Unfortunately, a lot of them are being weeded out though. So you know, the military, I mean, the police now, it's just like a, it's just like a gang of thugs in this country. You've got these big tattooed guys with beards and whatever, you know, they look like a bikey gang, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, you'd, you'd have, you'd have better, better respect for people from bikers probably than what you do from the police in this country. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, <laughs> well, how is, how do you see the military as far as where, where they are in this? I mean, which side are they on? How, how loyal, where, what's that? Well, at the moment, they're enforcing COVID vaccines, vaccines and they're helping the police out on these border blockades and things. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is treason for them to be doing any of this is treason. The military needs to stand up and, and like, I'd like to see a, a military coup in this country at the moment. Not that I trust the military, but they've got the weapons. They could go and take the, the prime minister out and they could take the state politicians out and they could call for a new election. They could, we could institute new government. That's what I'd like to see happen, whether they're willing to do that. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of them aren't too bright and they're just order followers and they do what they're told. And as I said to the police at the, at the council chambers the other day, the only thing that's ever allowed the introduction of tyranny in the history of the world is the failure of order followers to disobey legal and corrupt commands. And that's the situation that we're in, unfortunately. So, I mean, hopefully you know, the government's going to make it pear-shaped enough that they will see it and they will stand up. If they don't, then, then I don't know, it's going to be up to the people and it's, it's going to get pretty ugly and pretty brutal and a lot of people are going to suffer. But, you know, I think it's actually going to come to that. I think it's going to come to fighting in the streets eventually. I mean, the way it's going, I can't see uh, any way out of this. If people are not, not willing to stop complying, then it's, it's going to slowly come to them and they're going to have that, that five-minute red pill moment where they wake up and go, holy shit, I've been played. I've been set up. We've all been set up. And if we don't fight back now, then we're going to die. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll get to that point where they'll, they'll see the writing on the wall and they will stand up because it really is getting to that point. I mean, the way they're doing it, with some of the stuff they're bringing in is saying that when the economy reopens, it's only going to be for vaccinated people. You've got to be vaxxed in order to do this and do that. Soon you're not even going to be able to go shopping if you haven't got a vaccine. So basically, you've got to have the jab, which will kill you within the next two or three years. And if not, then you're not going to be able to do anything. So you're going to die from starvation or misery or whatever anyway. So we're just going to kill you either way. Which way do you want it done? You know, are you prepared to, to do that? Or are you actually going to stand up and defend yourselves and, and stop complying with your own slavery and with your own death orders, which is what this is, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Back to the military thing. So over in this country, I'm of the belief that there's a, a split. There's a faction of the military that will just say the good guys and the bad guys, you know, to make it simple here. Do you have a sense of any of that happening for you on that end, like that would work with the people that could step over? 
Well, we, we kind of do. I mean, I'm sure we do. I'm sure there's people in there that are good. I'm sure there's people who join the police force who who are good. I mean, like I said, I've, I've had uh, whistleblowers ringing me up and sending me emails and stuff. Not ringing me up, but sending me emails. And so there are good people in there, but, but whether they have the courage to actually turn on their commanding operators and say, hey, you know, you're giving me an illegal command and I'm going to arrest you. Whether they have the, the, the courage to do that is that's a big thing for a military guy to do that. You know, you mean you're facing a court martial, you're facing mm. charges of treason and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's whether yeah. they have the courage to do that. They hung out they hung someone out to dry for you know, the the Afghanistan he spoke out against the superiors and they yeah, they hung him out to dry. <laughs> so yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, so that's the problem is Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, the media spins it. They might, they might be doing the right thing, but it's what the media is going to say. What's the headline going to be? Because people only read the headline. They don't read anything else, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, well, believe it or not, we are at the um, top of the hour already. And so we're going to take a break. Tonight's uh, show is As Down Under, So Above. And our guest this evening is Max Egan. And we will return uh, right after our break. The other side of midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and nonlinearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. One of the ways that this organized crime system has been able to monopolize the media and has been able to uh, control the government and control perception on a wide scale is because it's the banks at the core And they've been given the privilege of creating money out of thin air using a technique called fractional reserve banking. Where the central banks backstop the money center banks to create money out of thin air. So when you go to get a loan, whether it's a mortgage or a car loan, that's not deposited money that they're loaning you. Uh, they just credit your account with some dollar credits, and you're off to the races. And then you spend the rest of your life paying interest on a mortgage that somebody created out of thin air. 
And that's the reason why the bank is the largest building in every city on the planet because they're making outrageous profits by getting to loan money at interest that they created out of thin air. This is Etienne de la Boissy Squared, the author of Government's Biggest Scam in History, Exposed. And some of my favorite conversations are the ones that I have on the other side of the news with Timothy, Anetta, and Kentia. Thank you for doing what you do and providing the service that you provide. Welcome back. You're listening to The Other Side of the News, and tonight's show is entitled So Down Under, As Above, and our return guest is Max Egan. Max, I have so many questions for you. I have about three or four sheets of paper filled with notes and things. I want to rewind a little bit, first of all, and go back to a comment that you have previously set out in, in some of your podcasts and also earlier in this show as well. And that is that the people who lead your country, the puppets, the puppets, yeah, on the end of strings, uh, some of them, let's uh, say, I think it's a number in excess of 20 of them, are in some way related to pedophilia, uh, but they've managed to somehow freeze their connection to pedophilia for, is it 90 years or 100 years or something? Could you explain that in a little bit more detail, please? Well, there was um, a lot of reports of pedophilia in Australia, as many people know. I mean, Australia is honestly the pedophile capital. Adelaide in Australia is the child murder capital of the world. That's the town that I grew up in. There's actually a tunnel system beneath Adelaide where they traffic children from houses and, and stuff around suburbs. But um, there was investigations into pedophilia in Australia and there were 28 people named as being connected to pedophiles or being involved in pedophilia in Australia. 28 very prominent names, uh, many of them involved in the Australian Federal Parliament. When it came to the, the point of uh, declaring this to be a reality, the judge presiding over the case said that these names must be suppressed and they were put under 90-year suppression orders. And the <laughs> excuse that he gave for doing this was if people uh, saw this list of names, it would undermine people's faith in the judiciary. That was mm. the reason for suppressing the name. Okay? So in other words, the court system and the political system is stacked with pedophiles, and they're going to do whatever they're told to do, because otherwise their dirty little secrets are going to be revealed. That's the situation of, of this country. When they sent the census form out here a couple of weeks ago or a month or so ago, I just don't fill out the census forms. They say there's a $220 a day fine if you don't fill out the census. Well, I just don't fill out your census. And my reason is that there are 
28 people named as pedophiles in the federal parliament, put under 90 years suppression orders. There are children living in this house. If you can give me a guarantee that this census isn't part of these pedophiles scoping for children, and if you can tell me what law exists which compels me to abide by the dictates of pedophiles, then I'll fill out your census form. If not, if you can't give me those guarantees and that information, then I'm not going to pay your census, and I'm happy to go to court and challenge the census because that will be my defence. And they Absolutely. walk away. They run a mile when I say that. That's a golden so, answer. I love it. Yeah. It, it is yeah, sad. That, that's it's the true. situation in this country. That's the situation in this country. I mean, we've, got, we've got people, they say, well, undermine your faith in the judiciary, really? Well, I think you just undermined my faith in the judiciary with that statement. That is exactly so, that was, was what I was going to say as well. The, the judge's statement in itself undermines the, the, the perception of the judiciary. I mean, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I said, how can you how can you guarantee me that this this census form isn't pedophile scoping for children? Yeah. Now, it's also very interesting. You you mentioned that the the census form comes this year. I think Kintia and Anessa, you were busy filling out your form last year, and also in the UK they had the census form as well last year as well. And now, isn't it interesting how suddenly you know everybody is uh, being having the stock taken. How many cattle do we have in this country? How many cattle do we have <laughs> in that country? This is what I said at the beginning of all this. I said, it's, you're living in a people farm, folks. I've been telling people for years, you're living in a people farm and they're just closing all their pens and they're doing a stock take. And then a couple of months later, out comes the census form. I thought, oh, there you go, brilliant. That's exactly what I said. So yeah, it's what they're doing. We're living in a people farm. All the governments work together and this is what it's all about. It's harvest time. They told you that when they did the um, Olympic ceremony in 2012 in, in London, that London Olympic ceremony, which was a coronavirus ritual and a, and a cannibalistic harvest ritual. That's what it was. No, you know, you're and absolutely that's what they're doing. That's on what there. They're doing. And you know what? Actually, Kintia, you were the one who brought my attention to that because I, I didn't see it at all. I didn't even notice what was happening. I, I'm not a big Olympic fan, but I remember you pulled me up on this and you said, that this is what was happening, that the 2012 London Olympic opening was, was like uh, some special event, had sort of subliminal messages. Do that with all their Olympic events, all these main sporting events and, and like just these, these big pop rituals and things they do, like Madonna and, and whatever, you know, like they, they have rituals in there that you don't see until after the fact. And when you look at what they did in the 2012 Olympics, it was bizarre. You're looking at this going, what on earth is this opening ceremony is all about? None of it makes any sense until you apply it to 2020, eight years later, which is the circle of completion, you know, eight year, the eight-year cycle, infinity, the completion cycle. I said in um, 2012, when people said 2012 was a non-event, I said, no, no, 2012 was a shift in consciousness, and you will see the, the, uh, the outcome of that in 2020 when we'll all get 2020 vision, we'll all see things clearly in 2020, which is the cycle of completion from 2012, the eight year cycle, symbol of infinity. And I said back then that we're going to see, we're going to have a major year in 2020. And yeah, look what happened. But that's what they do with these rituals. You, you don't see it at the time. You think, you know, what is this about? But now you look back at it, you've got all the hospital beds, you've got the dancing nurses, all the TikTok dancers, you've got the virus being spread out. You've got the children being separated from their parents. It's all there in the, uh, in the London Olympic opening ceremony. It, it is. It is. So what should we take stock of 
in uh, the, the latest 2021, okay, it's slightly delayed, but the Japanese Olympics. Do you remember the opening? I didn't even watch it. Did you, you know? I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't, I haven't managed to see the, the opening of the, uh, of the Japanese Olympics yet. I, I didn't, didn't even realize the Olympics was on until it was half over. It was just a real non-event this year. Oh, so, it was, uh, I didn't, it was, it was I didn't see any of it, which was, which was great. I didn't actually see any of it. It wasn't <laughs> all over the news, and I, it was great, great. I didn't even know it was on. So, but I've, I've, we'll go back and check the uh, the opening ceremony. I'm sure there's a video of it somewhere. I'm sure there's stuff in there for sure. Absolutely. No, I, th- I think it was used as a, a big lesson for you know, the, the Japanese to show the world how well. Um, they were social distancing and, uh, you know, wearing masks and, and, and inoculating themselves with God knows what every, everywhere, left, right and centre. Uh, James Corbett is, is somebody I, I listen to quite frequently and uh, have a lot of time for his work as, as well. And uh, he, he was just commenting, he said, this is just absolutely a non-event. Uh, it, it's, they're going through the motions, but it, it, it's a non-event. But still, we should look at the seeds and see what trees come out of them uh, maybe four or eight years later. Yeah. So going back to your wonderful leaders, your puppet leaders, um, I'm not saying that you have especially extra special leaders in your country because in in all our different countries, I mean, in my opinion, they're all puppet leaders, um, all sort of hanging on the end of strings. Uh, Where... Where do we see this going? Because, you know, on, on a weekly basis, I still see that, you know, the troughs and, and the peaks of this sort of, you know, sine wave that goes up and down, but tends to be increasing in intensity o- over time. Um, this week, I'm seeing a little bit of a trough. I'm, I'm seeing that the WHO is saying that, well, hey, you know, COVID, maybe we're never going to defeat it. And, uh, you know, it, it could be just like another flu. Um, well, Duh. <laughs> um, that, that, that's a possibility, isn't it? Really, WHO people, um, considering you, you changed the rules and then managed to, you know, inaugurate a whole uh, pandemic across the whole planet uh, based on these new rules uh, without, you know, real cases, but just having, you know, uh, fake cases from PCRs. Uh, in, in this part of the hemisphere, we have been told that the PCR test, which is not a test in my opinion, um, will be phased out and a different test will be phased in by the end of the year. Do you have anything uh, similar going on in your your southern hemisphere? Look, they're still saying the PCRs are incredibly accurate. They (laughs) depict with an amazing degree of accuracy. And uh, like, you know, just... Just complete and utter rush, you know, and, and they just say whatever they want and the media just spins it. That's the thing. We don't have any media to tell anybody anything. Um, if people get their news from the television, then they have no clue what's going on in the world. So, mm. but I mean, the fact that they're replacing the PCR with a more accurate test now, doesn't that speak volumes to people? What you mean they locked down the entire world with an inaccurate test? Max, I don't, see, they don't need COVID it's... anymore. I don't think they're saying it's a more accurate test. I think they're just replacing it with a different test, another test that they have control of. <laughs> I think yeah, that's what's yeah. more like it's going to happen. Yeah, whatever. But there is there is talk that it's from um, there's a couple. I think the uh, the WHO said that uh, the 
they're uh, they don't think it's a reliable test. It's not really a suitable test. <laughs> yeah, that, that that should be a bit of a sign for people. If it's not a suitable test, they've locked the entire world down with it. But see, they don't need COVID anymore. They can say COVID's just oh, it's just we're going to have to live with it, rah rah, because they've got this whole concept into people's minds now that viruses are real, that pandemics are real. I mean, they've spent years doing this, you know, films like Contagion and you know, we saw the SARS virus and uh, you know, Ebola and AIDS and all this shit that they've tried. I mean, none of it's worked. And, that, you know, just to get that concept into, into people's minds that, you know, Pasteur was a genius and all this sort of rubbish. So now people believe viruses are real. And, and even Tedros is now saying that there's a new pandemic. There's going to be a new pandemic, which is going to be the Marburg virus, which is actually an old virus, but they're saying there's going to be a huge Marburg virus outbreak. And um, they're actually developing a vaccine for it now. So we're going to have to you know, be prepared for this one. And we're going to have to use the same techniques that worked for COVID we'll have to use for the Marburg virus. In other words, more lockdowns and more border closures and more, you know, just just the same thing. But of course, you're going to have to have your injection for COVID every six months now for the rest of your life. And then we'll bring in the injections for Marburg as well. So basically, they're just going to poison you. They're going to poison everybody with these these injections you're giving into people. Everybody who has this COVID injection will probably be dead within the next three to five years. If you don't have the COVID injection, well, you're going to be locked out of society. So you won't be able to buy any food. You'll starve to death. You won't have anywhere to live or anything so either way we're going to kill you unless you rise up we can do it slowly or we'll do it um, quickly whichever way we want to do it depending on your um, reaction to what we're doing so now they've got this mindset into people that's what they want to do so hopefully people will see it i mean this is you've got to be able to see how this is all being played and, and see that actually we don't actually have to do any of this we could just be people again. We could just tell these, these governments to go away and realise that they're all in abusive office. They're carrying out a, a massive fraud and uh, just get new government and lead us back to a point that we actually don't need government. That would be good. Whether the human race is going to rise to the occasion. And it's an interesting thing as well. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like any government and I don't think government is the, is the need or is, uh, is required. Um, I think we'd be far better off without government. But by the same token, over the last hundred years, they've, they've dumbed people down and de-educated people to the point that they have no life skills anymore, no real life skills. I mean, the majority of the population simply can't look after themselves. So if you just dissolve government now and went straight back to a, a situation of self-governance, millions and millions of people would die because they simply could not handle not having someone to tell them what to do. So it's got to be a process. It's been a, it's been a gradual process that has led us to this point of complete control that we're, we're heading into now. So it's a process to reverse that. And it's going to take at least one generation to educate people back to the point of self-responsibility where they're able to look after themselves. No, I, I totally agree that. I mean, articles. Because, I mean, we're actually on the knife edge at the moment. We can, we can fall either way to the knife edge. And we know, one, one, one side can say, well, you know, if, if we don't actually sort of, uh, you know, adhere to the, the new circumstances, the new regulations, the new rules and so on, then we're not going to make it into the, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, blah, blah, blah. But on the other hand, if they keep pushing like this, and I say they, what I mean is the minority, then the point is that, you know, they're actually just knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door. At a certain point, they're going to open the door and they're going to have a big surprise because well, I'm not going to go that way. And I think, I think the vast majority of people are not going to go that way. At the moment, they have the fear factor. 
If you don't do this, mm. you pay a fine. If you don't do mm. that, then you, you don't get this. You know, it, it, it's like the material dimension, which a lot of people, unfortunately, still work in or live in. But on the other hand, when things become in their face on a different side of the dimension, which is much more of, I'm going to take this away from you, I'm going to take this right away from you, then that is a different point. In who cares about material things when somebody's life is on the line? So at that point... Well, yeah, it comes to a point where you've got to stand up and you've got to push back and you've got to fight. You've got to say enough is enough. I mean, even if you're running from a pack of wolves that are chasing you through a ravine, you know, you're running from these walls, you don't want to turn, you don't want to get in the way, you don't want to deal with this, but you're going to get to a point where you get to the end of the ravine and your back's against the wall. And when you get to that point, you're going to turn around, you're going to pick up a stick or a rock and you're going to fight for your life. You're not going to just sit there and let them eat you. And it's getting to that point. You can only put a, a kettle on the stove and boil it for so long until the steam runs out and the pot boils dry. And we're heading for that point. The pot is just about boiled dry in this country. And there's going to be a watershed moment where these people just say enough is enough and they stand up. And when that happens, as soon as someone stands up and pushes back and fights, and even if they fight to the death, a lot of people in Australia are going to look at that and they're going to stand up and they're going to back them up and they're going to do the same thing. That's what I think it's going to come to. There'll be a watershed moment where, where the pot just boils dry, you know. I agree. I, th I think it's a, a, a nemesis. It's one of uh, a nemesis event for humanity. I think it will happen in the sort of iterative of, uh, sequence, sequential events around the world. As you say, each country is being, each nation, each culture is being attacked in a different way. And at a certain point, it will come to the boil and the, the capital will, will be dry. And that's the point when things will be agitated enough to, and I think yeah, that will yeah. happen. The only reason it hasn't happened now is, like I said before, people are basically good. They don't want to go and hurt other people. We would much prefer a peaceful solution. Of I don't want to go, have to go walk into Parliament House and beat the shit out of Danny, Danny Hunchback, but I will mm. if I have to. You know, but I don't want to. I prefer not to. I prefer to just say no and have him go away. Go live on Christmas song or something. Go somewhere else. We won't bother you. Go away. Just leave us alone. It'd be, wonderful. You, huh? It'd be wonderful if these guys could just fuck off to another planet and just... Uh, never see them again or see to go and live on an island where it's just, you know, a, a mask. I've always um, said, mate, get all the politicians or get all the politicians on earth, give them all a ball pain hammer, put them all on Christmas Island and let them have their war. We could film it, be a reality TV show, be awesome. You know? It would. So all yeah. these people who want to have wars, put them all on an island and let them have their war. Give them all a hammer. There you go. Have your war, you know. We well, don't want to know about it, but, but that's the thing is people are basically good and we don't want to hurt people unless we have to, you know, so that, that's the problem, you know. Right. Well, you know, you've been talking about the people rising up in that watershed moment. And at the same time, there's also the way that we, the way that we rise up because they've been dividing and conquering, you know, they've been having us fight each other. So now that we're in that place, are we going to accept reality the way they are forecasting it, the ceremonies they're putting out there? Or there's another way of creation, and you touched on this in one of your videos that's in, in your links. And uh, it was surprising to me to hear you say that prayer 
can be a negative thing. And I'm, I would like to explore with you the idea of how the people are rising up and the ways that they're rising up. So one way is, yes, they're going to fight to the death. But the other way is? Well, through, like I said, when I talk about prayer, the nature of prayer, through, through, I mean, I don't, I don't do religion. I have a great connection to God, but I don't do religion, any religion at all. I think all religions move you away from God. That's just my personal um, view of them all. Do I view my life as a prayer? Every moment of every day is a prayer. There's an emotional, energetic conversation going on with you in reality all the time. And that's just why they try to put us in fear all the time. So we're always in that fear vibration. This is why I always say to people, no stake in the outcome. You've got to be able to face infinity without flinching. That's the path of the warrior. You don't put yourself in that fear state. You simply do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And you approach every situation that way. What we've been taught, I mean, and, and like I said, life is a prayer. Every every moment of every day is ceremony. You are having this conversation all the time. You just don't realize that you're having it. But it's an energetic conversation that's going on all the time between you and reality. And that is what is being mirrored back to you. That's why it's important to keep yourself in a positive mental state, in a state of high vibration. And that doesn't mean not looking at the dark. It's, it's, it's what... What emotion you attach to the information that you're looking at. People say, oh, you know, where energy goes, attention, you know, where attention goes, energy flows and all that sort of stuff. I won't look at the darkness because you're lowering my vibration. Well, that's your inability to be able to process certain forms of light because all information is light. Even if it's what you perceive to be darkness, it's still light. It's information. And you can heal the darkness. You can heal the shadow by casting light on it. And that just means you've got to look at it and you've got to acknowledge it to be real and acknowledge it to exist and you can heal that that wound we don't do that we, we tend to look away from it and then we, we we get pulled into religion and we we go and we pray for peace and we pray for love and we pray for healing by doing that we are acknowledging there is no peace there is no love there is no healing that that's a negative affirmation you're going in there and you and generally people go to church because they're in fear of going to hell or being you know, condemned by God if they don't do it. So it's a, it's a state of fear and self-service that they're going there. And they go there and they think, if I, if I offer these negative affirmations, pray for peace and pray for love in this building designed to channel energy, and they're all there for the wrong reasons because they're in a state of fear. That's what they've gone there to begin with, you know, fear of God. I don't have any fear of God. God's supposed to be all love. Why would I fear something that's supposed to be all love? You know, I don't, I don't right. fear things. Fear is a, is a negative thing. It's a, it, it's what creates that reality. So we go in and we pray for stuff. So this is a negative affirmation. What I've done in my life, like how I became a radio host was, was I, I put myself in the emotional state where I was a radio host. What would it feel like to be a radio host? I just put myself in that energy and then within six weeks I was a radio host. I didn't do anything to get the job. I've said to people, if, if, you, if you're lonely and you want your perfect partner in your life, put yourself in the emotional state where that person is already in your life. What would it feel like to have your perfect partner in your life and to be exactly where you wanted to be in your life and doing exactly what you wanted to be doing? What would it feel like to be in that emotional state? You put yourself in that energy and you will attract that reality to you. Your perfect partner will walk into your life. Your perfect, everything will just happen. It'll just fall into your lap because that's the way it works. Life is a prayer. We are having this emotional conversation all the time. When people understand that, they can literally change reality. If enough people could get this concept, 
We could change the world in a day. We really could. You know, and if people s- stopped stepping outside their moral compass to abide by legislation and, and always did what was right in everything they do, we change the world in a day. It's really that simple. So, you know, but people need to do these external battles and all this stuff because they think that's where the answer lies when really it's within them, you know? Right. So I, I totally am in total harmony with what you're saying, and I'd like to explore that idea. So here we are. We're facing this darkness. We're receiving this information. And what does the resolution, the loving resolution of this look like? What can we put vision, can we put out there? Because when we're constantly saying, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to do this, well, that just makes that concrete in their mind. So what's what's the loving resolution? What are we going to do that changes things? How do we bring about that watershed moment? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, what I've been saying to people is that you've got to see this as a, one of the greatest opportunities for human ex- freedom that we've ever had because the whole system is being laid bare. I mean, e- even you said earlier how we're all, we're all divided and fighting with each other all the time. Well, thank you, government, for uniting all of the blacks and the whites and the gays and the, the straights and the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims and everybody to the fact that we're all under threat from this incredible criminal mafia that's doing it you know we're all in the same boat we're all facing a common threat right now we have a clear and present danger all of us we can now put down all of our differences this is the hugest opportunity for human freedom we've ever had because now the entire workings of the mechanism have been laid bare so i can see a a golden age through this video but you've got to be prepared to go through that that trial by fire to get there You've got to be prepared to, to walk across the fire pit. It's not going to burn your feet. It only burns your feet because you think it's going to burn your feet. Mm-hmm. How can someone run across a fire pit completely unscathed and not know, you know, not, not burn anything? You know, It's the way the mind works. So I see this as a huge opportunity. It had to come to this. It had to get to a point where people's backs were put to the wall and no one's going to be able to heal the, the, the situation that we're in or, or heal this, this uh, evil that's in the world unless they become aware that it's there. They just have to be prepared to look at it. People haven't wanted to look at it for years and years, and so it's grown and grown and grown. Well, now they have to look at it. It's right there in your face. You cannot not see it. It's right there. You know, if you choose to not see it, well, your soul will go down that path. And if that's the way your soul goes, well, so be it. I can't help you. That's It's your de- decision to do that. This is what I've done with, with the shows over the years. I mean, I've, I've tried to encourage people to ask questions and to realize that there's a doorway there you can walk through, but it is your choice to walk through that doorway. Mm-hmm. If you don't and you, you, you succumb and you get lost into the mainframe or whatever because you're trapped in fear, well, that's so be it. Think of that as a form of soul purification. I have mm-hmm. no stake in the outcome. I have no attachment to those souls who choose to do that because I can't help them. I can only help me. I can only offer a perspective. I can't save you for you. Only you can do that. You know, it's the same with everybody. So um, you can't have too much attachment to this. You've got to realize this is a personal soul choice for every single individual on this earth. We can do what we can, but ultimately your soul, if you, if you keep your energy true and you keep your energy high, your soul will make it through this. And we only need one soul to make it through to be able to bring all of the souls with us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we place too much emphasis on the physicality and this, this hologram that we live in as if it's all real. And uh, even when we look at the, what the future needs to look like, this golden age, we, we, 
tend to attach all this physicality to it, like it, like it actually means something. You know, people don't know what the future holds. They don't know what this whole experience is. I think this is really just a, a test. This is like a, a soul test, like an exam that we're here doing. And I think the main event actually comes after we leave this realm, personally. That's, that, that's my perspective anyway. Yeah, I do get the sense that this event is causing each individual to really look down and within their being and discover the power of their internal being. And and I do also believe that that makes a shift into a parallel universe. And it will look just as physical as this, possibly, but definitely it will be an expression of that inner knowingness rather than always looking to outside for the information, but rather to anchor in within for the information. So. Yeah. So too many people, um, even, even when looking at this, this situation we're in, they want to go out and physically fight something. They can't see that changing their perspective will change reality. And it, sure, it might not work if just you change your perspective. It's a collective here. It's a collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. We need millions of people to do it. But if millions of people did do it, we would literally change the world in a day. It's it's that simple. People just can't see the forest for the trees. And that's why I wanted to bring it up on the show so that everyone here, <laughs> that's you, <laughs> reach within and see the future you want to live. And you know what? <laughs> we are ready for break time at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to the other side of the news. The show is called As Down Under, So Above, and our guest is Max Egan. And we shall return. There are so few. There in the thousands, we are billions. We are billions of people. So they need technology, very advanced technology today to control us. And that is where AI, 5G comes in. And then through the vaccine also get rid of two thirds of us. So it's like a very, very, very dark agenda they want to play out. But I tell you, the way I see the future, oh my God, fantastic. Oh, like my mom said, fan-bloody-tastic. Hi, this is Ola Damagod from LightOnConspiracy.com. You know, over the years, I've done some 500 to 1,000 international interviews, and I just want to say, The Other Side of the News is one of my favorite shows, so enjoy. Judy Mikovits, and I've really enjoyed being on the other side of the news radio show tonight with with Kinthea, Tim, and Anetta as well. It was really a great experience for me, and I think things like the other side of the news because we don't hear these things. 
I saw this horrific commercial on TV. And I know them to have perpetrated fraud in vaccine court. So it's so important for radio shows like this to have discussions. And I really think these types of radio shows reach a very large audience and people are listening. And that's what I think has changed everything. I just really think it's important for people to be able to hear in depth and hear the kinds of discussion worldwide so that we can compare experience and really wake up and heal everyone. Welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight's show is As Down Under, So Above, and our guest is Max Vegan, and I am here with my co-host Timothy Saunders and Kinthea, and uh, we are in our last half hour, and we are coming up on a really significant anniversary uh, this week, um, actually tomorrow. We have the anniversary of 9-11 and there's very few people that can forget what happened i think most of us that are old enough to remember anything have it seared in our memory exactly precisely what was going on at the moment that we heard that news uh, i personally was loading a moving truck and uh, i don't think i comprehended it i don't think anyone really comprehended the amount of change that we were going to see from that because of course, it was used as a leverage to take away our freedoms in a systematic plan for the next two decades, and it certainly has worked. We had the Patriot Act in the United States that was clearly pre-drafted. This is all pre-planned. Uh, it was an enormous document that our legislators were told to pass without reading, which is very much like our, our infrastructure bills, except for that they've been passing lately. Uh, same same story, different pieces of paper. Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk to Max about how he saw the changes that occurred from 9-11, how it affected Australia and what he sees today as a consequence of that post-event time. 9-11 was the, the big move that was the beginning of the end game. 9-11 uh, created the war of terror, war on terror, which is actually war of terror because war is terror. Um, but it was used to militarize our police, um, basically remove the weapons from from other countries as well. And they they managed to, under the guise of protecting us from terror, they managed to militarize our police and lead us to the point that we're in now. They wouldn't be able to do any of this. They wouldn't be able to do any of this in Australia if it wasn't for 9/11. They wouldn't have been able to militarize our police under the guise of you know, protecting us from terror. 
if it wasn't for 9-11. 9-11 was the beginning of the end game. And when the Christchurch shooting happened in 2019, I said when that happened that the Christchurch shooting was the beginning of the final move of the end game and that I expected us to be in lockdown within 12 to 18 months after the Christchurch shooting happened. These are very, very significant events. And 9-11 was, was what created the backstory for them to do exactly what they've done over the last 20 years and basically militarise all of our police. You look at the police now, what they looked like 20 years ago. And they've got, they're a full power military force now uh, to protect us from the terrible terrorists, of course. Um, it, was, it was such a staged event, and um, it, it showed just how prepared the government is to kill their own people as well. I mean, 2,997 people died that day just to, to prove a point and to kickstart this war of terror. And, um, yeah, very, very significant event. Whether they'll do something else. I mean, they always like September the 11th. Interesting, the, uh, the Pentagon, they broke ground for the Pentagon, uh, put the first shovel in the ground on 9-11, I think, back in the 60s or 50s. Also, uh, there's, there's all sorts of things that happened on September the 11th, so it's a very, very significant date for them. Whether we'll see something uh, come of that, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's what what brought us to where we are now without that event we wouldn't be in this situation it was incredibly important they would never have been able to militarize our police and do all the things they've done without the 9-11 attacks well it does, it does point up the, the issue that some people have said many people have said oh i you know i can't believe it's this worldwide conspiracy how can you get everyone to agree well you know clearly in retrospect you can look at it and say well hmm you know, by the uh, Bush regime doing what they did, which was long planned, well planned. Uh, you know, clearly, uh, at this point, I don't know. I think you must be deaf, dumb, and blind if you can't see that there was a problem with the uh, narrative they have there on 9/11. Clearly, this was run uh, by that organization, but it was also collaborated with all of the other governments around the world. And 20 years later, most most surely you can see that this is the case, that they used it to, as a, um, a pivoting point for all of these other things like the militarization. And yes, I mean, we have short memories in some ways, long memories in others, but short in that, yeah, 20 years ago, I mean, the police were our, our friends and they helped us and they were here to protect and serve. And uh, I don't know anyone who thinks that unless you're a good police officer, maybe you think that because, you know, maybe you're not one of the bad guys, but in general, I don't, I don't look at police to protect and serve. I, I don't see them that way. I don't think very many people do. I wouldn't want to be a police officer, uh, but uh, this has really caused a big problem here. And I think, I, I think in the Australia, you're saying, you know, it's, it looks to us from what we see even worse, right? They're, <laughs> they're brutal. Um, and, and you're well, saying are. that they're all thugs, right? They're like, where are they getting these people? Are they are they MK Ultra or you know what what kind of what kind of pool are they drawing from here? Well, just uh, just they really set our society up. I mean, you've created a society of, of single parents and single mothers and kids who grow up without a father. They got a chip on both shoulders. They get bullied at school. So you know, you, you create a society where you've got kids that grow up as thugs you, that's, that's just what they do just why they split up the family unit um it's been a gradual process doing all of this stuff and um the police here i mean they've got iq tests where you, if you score over 102 on the on the aptitude test and they won't employ you 
Mm. They want people just smart enough to fill out the paperwork and, and you know, not, not be able to really think too much, not have too many morals or anything like that. So, you know, it, it's, been a gradual, it's been a gradual process to get us to this point. But the police, I mean, the police here are just brutal. They're just, they're just next level brutal and they enjoy it. They're above the law and they know they're above the law so they can just do whatever they do. And like I said, there's been so much human trafficking and pedophilia and so much stuff that's been going on in this country for decades now that's the sort of people that you've got in the force. And, you know, sure, there might be some good guys in there who actually join for the right reasons, but not too many anymore. And it's, it's happening right around the world. I mean, and people's, you know, I get this all the time as well. People saying, well, how can you say all the governments will be collaborating on this COVID scam because they can't agree on anything? No, that's theatre. They do agree on everything all the time. That's why they have the United Nations. That's why they have the Bilderberg Group. You know, they go and have all these meetings together behind closed doors because they're talking about what they want to do. You know, and then we see on the surface, we see them arguing and all this sort of stuff. We see you know, them competing with different countries and competing with each other for resources. Well, no, they're not. They're just you know, doing this to, to make it look like they are and so they can have little theatres of war so they can depopulate their countries. It's a people farm. All the governments work together. It's one multinational, multi-generational criminal cabal masquerading as a system of international governments and nations. And they all work together. They play each other off against each other. doesn't matter what country you go to. They'll tell you that's the best place in the world to be. We have the best economy. You don't want to be anywhere else. We're looking after you. We're protecting you from being invaded. They're protecting you from, from who? What? All the other governments, of course, it's just the governments. And when the governments go to war, when you have like a war between you know, Syria and, and America, for example, well, you're going in to take out Assad. How come you haven't bombed Assad's palace? You bombed Aleppo to rubble, or you bombed Palmyra to rubble. You bombed all these places to rubble. You've killed thousands upon thousands, if not millions of civilians. You haven't hit Assad yet. In World War II, they never bombed the Reichstag. They never bombed Number 10 Downing Street. They turned... London to rubble, they turned Berlin to rubble, they turned Dresden to rubble, turned everything to rubble, and never bombed any of the leaders. You know, they all work together. They do this thing to to provide the concept that there are wars, there are competing nations, and so you'll need a strong military, you need strong police, you need strong borders. It's all to keep you under control. And then they all work together to do it. And at the end, they come and shake hands and say, oh, we're not at war anymore. It's all good. And they borrow money from the bank to run the war. They borrow money from the bank to rebuild their countries, keeps the economy functioning just fine. Every time you have a war, it ends up with you know, almost 100% employment after the war. So the government's really happy in that position. It's, it's a scam. The whole thing's a scam. All these people work together. Now, what they've been doing is they've been incubating a system in China of social crediting and mass surveillance and complete tracking of absolutely everything. And they figured out exactly how to do it in China. And they did it through medical stuff as well. They, they introduced the totalitarian dictatorship in China by first getting people to be concerned about their health and then start taking action to improve community health. And we've got to all agree to have vaccines. We've got to all agree to do street sweeping. And we've got to all agree on all these health issues. That's how they got complete loss of privacy in China. And then they brought in their social crediting system. They've incubated this whole thing for the last 20 years. They've got it all working perfectly in China. Now they want to bring it out to the rest of the world. How are you going to do that? We've got to do it through the guise of this pandemic, bring in all these health guidelines and stuff, and then start saying, well, if you're not going to abide by our health guidelines, you're a danger to yourself and to the rest of the community, and we'll get all the community to hate on you because you're making them sick by being individual. Well, so this is how they do it. 
and they all work together. I mean, and the fact that they're all in lockstep with this whole uh, COVID scam should show people just how much they are, they are working together. You know, they're not competing, and they never have been competing. It's just looked like they are on the surface, so that it'll provide the, the the concept for us that we actually need government to look after us. We don't. You know, government creates all these problems so that then it can offer us the solution to all of its problems. It's one big Hegelian dialectic, the whole thing. Racketeering in its purest and most simple form, that is government. Yeah, and it's been this, this thing they've incubated over the last um, 100 to 200 years. Before then, I, I don't think we had any of this. I don't think we had this feudal culture. I think we had a, a worldwide um, civilization that all worked cooperatively. Um, we had free energy. We had a very, very different world to what we have now as recently as 200 years ago. And I've introduced this whole feudal concept into people's minds that we've always been these competing nations and always at war with each other and all this sort of, it's all rubbish. The whole lot of it's rubbish because everywhere you go around the world, I mean, I've never met anybody in any country that wants to have a war. Everybody just wants to get along. So, so where do all these wars and things come from? They're all contrived by governments because they're all working together. It's a crime family. It's not, it's not government at all. It's a crime family. Max, I, I would love to do another whole show on uh, sort of you know, recent previous history, alternative previous history. Um, I think it, we don't have enough time to go there this evening, but I, I would like to ask you back to come back and, and discuss that sometime. But uh, do, you, do you think there's a possibility that what we're doing right now, this whole COVID thing, is a uh, an alternative experiment in place of a world war? I mean, they did the first world war where it was kind of instigated by a group of people and, and people sort of, you know, played both sides and made profits from both sides. And then there's the second world war, which you know, wasn't a completely different issue. It was actually sort of chapter two of the same book, in my opinion. Um, it was the one war. It was the one war with a big break in the middle. Uh, do you think that what they're doing now is is like an evolution in in, in their terms? Is it like sort of an an, an international pandemic um, in, in place of a war, or, or do you think there's a I war? Said in, it, I, I said in my first film, The Big Picture, in two thousand and eight, World War Three has already started. It's a war of depopulation that's been waged by the politicians against the people. The main tool they're going to use to uh, carry out this war is, is food, starvation. So you're going to break down the supply chains. So we're all being set up with this international codependency in order for them to be able to pull a pin on it. That's why they're doing it. it it's a war of depopulation. Now. It's already started. It, we're already at war. World War Three has been in full swing since at least um, the September 11 attacks. That that was basically the start of World War Three. We're already in it. People just don't realise what it is. They don't realise how wars are fought. They think it's about bombs and stuff dropping on people's countries. World War One and World War Two is done the way they were done to give us this concept that we need to have these national um, security things and we need all this stuff. We need passports. We need all the crap that we need. We, we need all come out of World War One. We didn't even have passports before World War One. Exactly. We didn't have any of this stuff. So it was all to set us up. I mean, the, even the concept of that's what a war looks like, well, it, it's not. The, the war is already being fought. It's already being waged. We are in the thick of it right now. That was just to, to get that whole concept to, into people's minds and to allow for the military and the build-up and the militarization of our police and everything that's happened to lead us to this point. This is another reset. This is what they're doing. And this is, they're, they're basically exterminating most of the human race 
through this. So it's important that people see what's going on here. We're already in the thick of World War III, brother. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly sad that millions and millions of people have lost their lives fighting bravely to, you know, protect their, their families, their, their nations, their pride, their, their, their countries in decades and decades, hundreds of years ago. And yet now this new sort of form of warfare is, is you know, father and son trying to, you know, greet each other on Father's Day, the side of a plastic road blockade. It, it's just absolutely sickening. It, it's all of that mm. pride and, and, and you know, bravery has come to and down to this is control through you know, a, a, a tyranny. And, 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 and if you do this, you'll get fined. If you do that, you, you won't score these points. It's, it's unbelievable how we've come to. Yeah, and all again because of the failure of order followers to disobey illegal and corrupt commands, you know, because of these brain-dead idiots that they've got there as order followers who just do it told. And they think that, oh, no, I'm upholding the law. And they, they're basically thugs, and they, they like hurting people. So when you break the law, they, they love to come and jump on you and uh, just beat you up and do whatever they can. So that's the problem. That, that's what's always brought it about is the failure of order followers to, to recognize what's going on, you know, through the low IQ of these order followers, you know, that that's why they only employ people with IQs of 102 in the police force. So they can't think too clearly about what they're doing. That's the situation that we're in and nothing, well, nothing's going to change. There is, there is no military or political solution to this. Nothing's going to change until people stop complying with their own slavery. And when thanks, they do, thanks. we can change yeah. everything. I don't think it's all about IQ. And I hear what you're saying, and of course it is a factor in this, but I mean, it, inherently, as we were saying earlier, people are good. People have good in them. People want to do good. And whether they have a 102 IQ or 168 IQ or whatever, in my opinion, it comes down to what is, what is the fuel that motivates or what is the catalyst that motivates this person to, to perform in the way they do. I think that coming up to literally uh, in the next few hours, we're crossing into the 20th anniversary of this 9-11 event in New York. Um, it was certainly something which set the foundations of where we are now. But what I find frightening is how so many people were taken in by the agenda at that time. I mean, I was. I think, I think most of us were. We, we probably thought, well, this is a bit odd these jets crashing into him, it, it, it took time for all of us to process. Is, is this really, can we believe the agenda? Is, is, is the shrub, as Joseph P. Farrell calls him, is Bush really going to sit there and read nursery rhymes while all this is going on? Are there really war games going on at the same time as this event? Are there really jets flying into skyscrapers, which were designed to withstand impacts from 707s, even though they were slightly different aircraft? Uh, you know, did this plane really crash into the Pentagon, even though it seemed tiny and suddenly all the video cameras were confiscated mm. or they didn't work or, you know, it, it's, and then building seven. I mean, <laughs> mm. so I obviously know. a controlled demolition. I mean, it's not about the information anymore, but it took time for us to process this. And, and I think this woke up a lot of people. It certainly woke me up, but today, we have the same thing happening again. We have, you know, the, the masks, the useless masks, which are like, uh, you know, metal fence 
fencing around the tennis court. Can mosquitoes fly through it? Well, yes, they can. Just like the particles of, you know, the virus can fly through the particles of the, sorry, through, through the, uh, the matrix of the mask. You know, does anti-social distancing work? No, it doesn't. Does the vaccine work? No, it doesn't. No, take the vaccine. It doesn't work. It does it, 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 The whole thing is bullshit, but still people are believing it. it. I know. That's what I've said. I mean, it's, it's like you can't even call it a pandemic anymore. It's an IQ test. It's an IQ test. And when you really look at this, I mean, you, you almost got to think, well, okay, if, if you believe this is real, then please go and take the jab. Let us have the world back because we get rid of you morons because it's really got to that point. That's what I say. It's a soul choice. And, and what can you do for people? If people cannot see this after 18 or 19 months, Mm-hmm. How can you help them? I mean, you may love them, but it's their sole choice. That's why you've got to walk the path of the warrior and you've got to be prepared to face infinity without flinching. No stake in the outcome. If, if someone that you love decides to go and kill themselves with this jab, that's the way it is. You've got to let that happen. It's, not, it, it, it's a personal soul thing. All you can do is show people the doorway and hope that they will walk through, but it's their decision to do so. And if they don't, I mean, you look at this as a form of soul purification. Really, if you want to look at that, I mean, if, if people can't see this, God help them. God help them. I don't, I, do they even have functioning brains? You know, I mean, it's really gotten to that point. And but as much as you love people and you love the human race, you cannot allow yourself to be attached to the outcome of this experiment. If you do, you're going to live your life in a, in a, in a state of desperation. You cannot do that. You, you've got to realize this is a personal soul choice for everybody. And all you can do is face infinity without flinching and walk the path of the warrior so that you come through unscathed on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people that I, I know that I, I've talked to extensively about all of this and we've had discussions where I believe that they also shared similar opinions to myself and, and in the, based on my research, even sharing research with me. This week I had a telephone call with a particular friend and he said, you know what? Yeah, I, I had I had two vaccines. Yeah, yeah, okay. I said, which one? He said, okay. I said, I really hope you had the placebo in this experiment. Uh, but, you know, what can you say? Best of luck to you. It's your choice. I respect your decision. Mm. It's your decision at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, it, was like do, a, it was like a, yeah, like a spear flying through my heart. It, it, it's somebody I care about, a good friend of mine, and... How can they do such a U-turn in such a short time? It's just unbelievable. And that's, I guess it's just a, well, a, a reaction Brad, to Brad the pressure. Pressure, brother. Brad beaten into pressure. You're locked down, you're locked down. You can't have your life back until you get this. Well, okay, I guess I'll just get it, you know? That's, that's why they're doing it, brother. And that's why they've set up all this dependence, you know? We've, we've got to go and we've got to collect paper so we can pay to be alive. I've got to do all this stuff. They've set all this dependence up on the system. So it's like people's nurses saying, well, I don't want the jab, but if I don't, well, shit, I've, I've got payments. I've got to pay my house off and all this sort of stuff because you've got to pay to be alive, which you didn't have to do a couple of hundred years ago, I don't think. I think we lived in a very, very different world. But they've introduced this whole system there, which is it's got you caught. It's like a, like a fly in a trap. You know, you, you, can't, you can't do it because people can't see the forest for the trees. They think this whole economic system is real. They think this, this government is real. They think all this stuff that's written on paper is real. They're in the matrix. What, what can you do? Mm-hmm. I think even 21 years ago, it was very different. Oh, it was. It was. Yeah. 
Well, Max, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on again, and I hope we can come back soon and talk about uh, another update, hopefully a more positive update. And also, I'd like to expand on, on the subject matter in which we, we talk about. I'd like to talk about our previous civilizations, our previous history, which may be totally different to most of our, what's written in most of our history books. Um, oh, yeah. Is there, is there anything you'd like to bring our attention to, to our listeners, to any sort of upcoming events or, or literature or, or podcasts and so on? Well, I don't know if there is any upcoming events, mate. I don't know what events will be allowed in the future. So, <laughs> but um, no, it's been a pleasure to come and chat to you. I always enjoy chatting to you guys. So um, we'll, we'll do it again. And um, no, all, all I can really offer to people is to just, just, Stay true to yourselves. No stake in the outcome. Walk the path of the warrior. That's the only thing you can do. Is as much as you love those around you, um, it's it's their decision to do what they do, and and it's your decision to do what you do. And if you, you can even get biblical about it, if you want to, and look in the in the Bible, it says that in the end times, families will be torn apart, and you know, lovers will be torn apart, families. You know, people everyone will be separated because people are going to have different ideas some people are going to go with this and and people who are awake are are awake that's the way it is so you can't have a stake in the outcome of this this is the the sole test that you came here for this is the big exam this is the big moment and it's a it's an individual thing there's nothing you can do for other people if they can't see the light then they can't see the light if they're not prepared to walk through the door that's their decision to do that and you just have to um, realize that there's only really one of us here anyway. We're all connected to the divine. And all we need is for one person to make it through this with the right, you know, their soul intact and they can they can bring the rest of them with it anyway. So you don't need to have a stake in this because there's no real death. There's only really one of us here. So, yeah, it's a positive way of looking at all of this, brother. And And if you think of it as soul purification, then, you know, there's nothing really bad about what's happening. It, it's just the process that has to has to be done. No, I, I can certainly relate to a lot of the things you just, just outlined, and uh, I, I hope we can explore and develop those conversations more in the future. Thank you, Max. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda to make your own independent research and to stop acquiescing to stand up for what you believe in with respect. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News, The 73rd edition is entitled As Down Under, So Above and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, of special thanks to our return guest, Max. It's all a very positive week. I look forward to reconnecting with you on our next edition next Friday. Good night.